Hello, this is Bob. And this is Jordan. And this is Shop Talks. And we're here in Boise, Idaho at the Tattoo Shop. Quiet Friday night tonight. Yes. We've got a signed box up on the front waiting for the vinyl to come from the printers on the Plexi and all that jazz. <laughs> Been a good day. Just hanging out. That's awesome. And then, uh, yeah. Bob came down all in a tizzy because everyone else is all in a tizzy. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, uh, you know, I have many more liberal friends or friends on the left on my Facebook page for my years at DirecTV. And somebody posted something and it says, uh, you can say to disagree except for when it comes to racism, misogyny, homophobia, the uh, science, uh, uh, climate change science and uh, vaccine, and a vaccine. Vaccine science, yeah, yeah, so basically you can agree to disagree <laughs> except on these things. And then my question was, well, well what about those things? Like, p although the statement I think frustrated you initially because it was just basically saying like, we're not gonna allow for conversation, conversation or freedom of thought. Yeah, you're with me or you're against me. Yeah, you're either with me here or you're against me, but the problem with even that statement is that I, I don't know what you believe about any of those things. You right. could make a statement about, you know, we can agree to disagree but not on racism. Okay, okay but I, that still doesn't tell me what you b think about racism or what you believe about it or right. don't believe about it or anything. It's, it's, an, it's a non-statement. Right. It's something that doesn't actually have meaning to it because there's no qualifiers in any it's, in any part of it the statement is like a can of uh, tennis balls which you open and there's one and a half tennis balls out of a three can you know it's I can play tennis with you until I lose that one ball and a half ball I can't do anything with so it's like your statement while it has value for you that doesn't yeah, because have, you know what you think about right, those it things. precludes you from actually engaging in, in the conversation yeah. or expanding into a diverse mindset that a lot of us, or a lot of, I would hope that most people are actually seeking. To be able to say, <clears throat> I feel this way. Maybe I should take a look at this a different way. And that's what I've kind of done in the last five years. I don't know if I've changed my mindset, but I've tried to understand how other people think about it. I still might not like it, but mm -hmm. I, I want you to think what you want to think, mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> you know, whatever you want to think, Great, that's yours. I don't mean disagree with it. Um, but saying that we can agree to disagree except about these things is basically just saying, well, we can have an intelligent conversation, but we can't talk intelligently about these things. We can't okay. have a discussion yeah. about these things. Right. If you feel differently, and that's, so one, I don't know what you think about any of those things when you make a statement like that. I would generally assume based on the statement that that person is probably fairly left-leaning and thinks that um, all of those Please. things are, are um, things that are problems that need to be addressed in our society and culture. Yeah. Now, I would agree. I would think that everything in that list is something that is an issue that needs to be addressed in our society and our culture. It's a it's a list of a bunch of. Well, I mean, but look at let's let's take let's. Let's pluck racism out of this back, this basket of, of um, fruit. Okay. okay. 
If you talk to Little Wayne, what does he say about racism? I don't know. I've never talked to Little Wayne. Little Wayne, racism. in an interview, they ask him about how all this racism goes. He says, "Racism? I've never experienced racism. I do my shows, and I see an ocean of white people. I see an ocean of white faces buying my music, enjoying my rap. That's his. That's his perception of what racism <coughs> is. You see what I'm saying? Morgan Freeman says, "You know how you forget? You know how you, you avoid racism? Don't talk about it. Don't don't acknowledge it. It's gone." You well, know, you see, you see those kind of conversations I think would, would be precluded from those, and those, those, are, those are people who would be more subject to racism than you, me as a white person. I think that they're probably significantly less subject to the, any of the negative downsides that would come with what most people would traditionally think of as racism. Yeah. Because well, they're... Let me finish sorry. the thought. Because they're, um, you know, they're by comparison extremely affluent by comparison to most other by comparison to most other black people Morgan Freeman and Lil Wayne are both extremely wealthy people oh, and yeah. and and one of the things that I like to talk about when I get into a discussion with somebody about racism is that the the problem of racism in our country and I do think that it is still an issue and I do think that there are places where racism is still pervasive and different jobs and communities where there's still issues to address. So I'm not saying that like this isn't something where we're out of the woods and we don't have anything left to address. I think it's very important to note right now at this point in time, although there are still issues and instances of racism in the U.S., and in other first world countries. Yes. It is not nearly as bad as it is in some second and third world countries. And it's not as bad as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's gotten significantly better year over year. The issue of racism in this country has gotten significantly better since the even since the 80s and 90s well you know there, there was there was an opportunity for my generation I'm generation X I have my fingers quoted up here um, really I'm not but that's another conversation um, but I'm in that age group of generation X that they the government used to have PSAs um, on Saturday mornings they played little things to teach kids you know the before NBC ever thought of the more you know the more you know shit mm -hmm. right and it was a, a man and his grandfather, and I finally found it on YouTube, and I'll have to find it again. A man, and a little boy and his grandfather fishing in a boat. So he's maybe 10, 11 years old. And the little boy says, um, my black friend Jimmy doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And he says, well, why, why not? He says, and he says something, and, but the grandfather says, well, maybe Jimmy doesn't want to be known as your black friend. He just wants to be your friend. Mm -hmm. I'm 10 years old. I don't know any black people at this point in my life. I live in a small town in northeastern Oregon on the Washington state line right across from Walla Walla. Mm -hmm. like so much yeah. named twice. Out, but out in the sticks. Yeah, out in the, the sticks. High desert sticks. Right. And yeah. the first place I encountered a black person was actually in Prairie City, Oregon. It had 1,300 people. And I had a black <coughs> friend. His name was Sean. And he always, had, he always, he always made me laugh because he was the first person I ever met who spelled it S-E-A-N. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and, and we were friends, you know. And then I moved, and then I didn't have a I didn't have a black friend again until 
I was in the army when I was 20 years old. I don't think I don't remember interacting with any black people at all um, mm -hmm. until I was in my until I joined the army. Yeah. So um, I, I I don't know that that had the impact on me. It could have because it didn't play over and over. But I I, I heard well, it wasn't that. something I, that you like experienced on a right. daily basis. You didn't right. go to you know my daughter goes to school and you know there's some. Middle Eastern immigrants and some African immigrants, you know, Northeastern African immigrants and, and, and Central African immigrants and, and, you know, you know what I mean? West Coast African immigrants yeah. and, and um, you know, uh, immigrants from Central America and Mexico and, and uh, you know, she's got a really... <clears throat> so it's very diverse. So I don't... She'll grow up and it will, I don't think that it's even going to be like a thing for yeah. her. There's people. But like it's just people... What she talks to me the most about is just how people treat each other, because that's what we, that's what we try to you know talk about, and what you know what we try to reinforce as being important is you know how you act and how you treat people. Yeah. And um, so more you know when <clears throat> whenever we're having any discussions about our friends, it's generally just about how how people are interacting or how they're treating each other. But um, you know I've I've known people whose parents were distinctly racist and that gets instilled somewhat in their children and they grow up oh, with yeah. a bent you know there um, or people have experiences and <clears throat> that are negative with a particular race or a particular group of people throughout their life and then they grow up with a chip on their shoulder or they grow up with this idea that because they had these experiences before that that means everything about a group of people well this is just this is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. But the whole conversation of race and racism, I think, is <clears throat> a fundamentally flawed conversation. At least at, at this point from where we are in the U.S. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there are some people in this country and you know in some sections of some inner cities and you know Philadelphia and Chicago and and Flint and New York and California and all these you know, there's plenty of places where you can go and witness abject poverty and racism systemic racism in our country they're there it's there it's not really debatable now <clears throat> That's not to say that there aren't a multitude of confounding factors for why some of these problems are the way that they are. So don't think that when I say that you can go and view systemic racism that I'm saying that all of the problems that are existing that you're viewing are a direct result of only racism. That that's the only part of the problem. It's not. There's lots and lots. Well, there's a lot of moving parts. There's lots of moving parts yeah. to this. And... Some of them have to do with racism, systemic racism. Some of them have to do with um, systemic oppression of the middle and middle lower and lower classes, lower income classes. Um, some of them just have to do with some of the basic realities of, of um, economic class structure. What happens to a group of people when they're extremely poor, when you're born into poverty? And what type of uh, what type of situation does that place you in, and how does that affect your prospects? How does that affect where you're going? Now, don't think that because I'm saying this this way that I'm not the type of like um, person who thinks that everybody has a the opportunity 
the right and the ability to raise themselves up to whatever position they desire, but not without the knowledge of how to do so. Well, that's, yeah. And the knowledge of how to do so, or the knowledge that it is possible, comes from seeing examples set for you of what can be accomplished. So if you grow up in abject poverty, you've never seen anyone get out of your neighborhood or your town or your family or whatever other than being a pro athlete or, or a drug dealer or a rapper. Yeah. Um, you know, your ideas of how you can be successful, how you can, um, you know, reinvent yourself and change and grow and achieve what you actually desire is significantly limited by your experience. Well, you know, it's very hard for humans to conceptualize. Having, having you having said that, uh, it, it's, it, I remember a TED talk of a, it was San Quentin TED talks mm-hmm. of all things. Mm. A young man, young black man in prison, and he tells the story of how he got caught. His uncle told he, showed him how to steal, and he broke into an art broke into an arcade. Had a backpack full of quarters. Cops caught him. He ran. It's a heavy backpack. Yeah, he says he didn't, but his uncle didn't teach him how to climb a fence with a backpack full of quarters. That's right. So um, he got caught. So he ended up in the system. And and he talked about how he was just raised to think, well, where do I where do I get my next money? How, who do I who do I got robbed to get my next money? Or where do I steal to get my my bit mm-hmm. of money? Yeah. So while he's in prison, he he couldn't read. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's in prison, he went and. He always got the sports section, and he called. You know, I, I said he called. He he went to the OG prison guys, and they read the sports section to him because he couldn't read. And one day he grabbed the financials on accident, mm-hmm. and he says, "What's this?" And the and the OG says, "Well, that's where white people make their money." Mm-hmm. And he thought, "Well, why can't I?" Can. So he learned finances. Yeah, taught himself to read, you know, mm-hmm. and all these things. And now he's doing TED talks, and he says he teaches convicts about money and how money works and Good. how they can make money work Good. and things like that for themselves yeah. and I'm like I, why isn't this why isn't this broadcast from all the top building all the top buildings in the country you know because to uh, show that there's a lot of reasons why it's well, I know I know it's systemic and it's you know and you know all this stuff too I mean it could be who knows well, I'm not going to get into that but uh, also I'm going to find that and I'm going to share the link with when I post this to Twitter and Facebook and things like that because that's an important thing that we talk about here, uh, that we're talking about right here, is that you're, you're right. Nobody is precluded from getting out from where they are. No, like you're, you have the right and the ability to achieve your dreams. But if you don't know that to be true, right? Yeah. Or if you don't understand how to dream, or you've grown up like this guy did where he didn't, know how to read and was taught that if you needed money or you needed your next fix or you needed to pay the bills, you just went and stole something from somebody. And when you learn that from the point of a child, you're talking about the way that someone's mind is formed and the way that they, their value systems are formed. And if you talk to any psychologist, you'll find that that's an extremely difficult thing to overcome. It's not impossible. No, it's not. It's not impossible, but it's significantly harder for that person yeah. than it is for me. You got to change those neural pathways, you know? and that's a hard. That's very hard. It's a very hard thing. But that's not. That's not to, you know, say that I haven't had any of my own struggles. I have. Everybody has. 
but realistically, I know I, I grew up with a you know a mother and a father. My dad told me that I should find something that I like to do for work that I really love because it doesn't matter how much money you make if you don't love what you do every day. And you know, so I these are good advice. It's not to say that I didn't have a whole lot of trying situations in my childhood, but that's not what we're talking about today. Right. Um, I also want to say at the, at the kind of at the beginning of this conversation that although we are talking a lot about racism where I always like to at least take the, this conversation or this, this type of discussion at least for a, a few minutes um, is to recognize that when we're talking about these people in these poor black communities the same exact problems exist for extremely poor white people and extremely poor Hispanic people and extremely poor Asian people. Although for some reason, and I don't know exactly why, extremely poor Asian people have significantly better statistical chances of, of getting out of poverty. Um, it's just a work ethic. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. I have no idea exactly yeah. what it is. I don't think that it's actually work ethic. I think that it that they're um, it's very different culturally. Yeah. You know the value placed on work ethic culturally is huge. Yeah. And so you say, oh, okay, that's work ethic. That kind of I think people in their minds can gloss over that and be like, did you basically just say like? Everybody. Asians have Asians have a work ethic and black people don't not at all <laughs> but if you look at inner city black culture versus um, first generation Vietnamese culture yeah you're going to find different values and ethics for each cultural group just like you'll find different values and ethics for uh, Puerto Ricans versus Italians versus Irish, right? They're all going to have a different cultural values system. Yeah. Now, a lot of the values will align, but all cultures' value systems are distinctly unique. So, you know, maybe their cultural value system gives them a leg up maybe. in this regard, right? Yeah. Um, just like you could, but you could also say the same that uh, the cultural value system of... Um, uh, black people in America give them a distinct leg up in sports or a distinct leg up in um, the music industry or whatever, right? Everyone is, everybody is different. Every yeah. cultural group is different. And I would much prefer. That's why I missed the 70s. I would much prefer that people look at and focus on their strengths and understand what they love, what they're passionate about, and where they are strong. Yeah. And pursue that. Because if you do that, guaranteed, you can and will better yourself and get yourself out of whatever situation you desire. But if you're focusing on what you don't have, if you're focusing on the shortcomings of your childhood if you're focusing on what you didn't receive or the love that you didn't get from your father or then you're not 
going to be able to accomplish any of these things because you're focusing your attention in the wrong spot. No, it's like uh, that saying, like I said, uh, if you're looking for yellow cars, you'll find yellow cars. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking, whatever you're looking for, you find. Oh yeah. If you're looking for reasons to be sad, guess what? They're abundant. There's, there's tons they of them. They are abundant. Yeah. You don't have to, you, you don't generally have to have that yourself. You can pick other people's see reasons to be sad yeah. or to be afraid, yeah. you know. Or to just be complacent. It doesn't, yeah. this, is, this is the thing, you don't have to be depressed or suicidal or, or um, you know what I mean? You don't have to be any of these like extremely adverse things to stymie your progress. Yeah. All you have to be is complacent and not even very complacent, just complacent enough to believe some of the lies that you tell yourself, like what we talked about yeah. before. It just takes a, just, a, just a bit of complacency to the point where you go, yeah, but I can't have that because and then you tell yourself some lie about how you were raised or that you're not smart or that you don't read well or that you're not good at math or that you're not good at talking to people, right? And this was, I, oh, yeah. I'm, right now, this is so, and I, something that I'm speaking from personal experience on. I, I was quite an odd duck growing up. I was quite odd into my late teens and early 20s. Um, extremely socially awkward and to the point where I wouldn't even go out. I would go shopping at two in the morning just to avoid talking to people or seeing people just so I could walk through the grocery store with it quiet, with people stalking and I didn't have to be around people. I didn't know how to talk to people well. I wasn't very good at it. I didn't like it very much. And, and a lot of that was based on the fact that I told myself that I didn't like it and I told myself that I wasn't good at it and I told myself that I didn't understand inherently the communication that was happening and and uh, you know I believed that narrative and, I, and and it was true for quite some time until I decided that I was going to change that you know I was no bones about it like autistic for quite some time ever since I was a child you know I was the kid who thought it was I didn't talk to anybody, didn't play with any friends in much in grade school, uh, got in fights, couldn't read social cues, would, you know, freak out because of the stitching in my socks for three hours at a time, couldn't focus on my homework unless I had spent three hours organizing all the cars on my windowsill. You know what I'm like? Yeah. Odd shit. And, and, it, and, um, but I'd grown up also knowing that I was like I knew that I, I knew that I was also intelligent inherently so I yeah. could figure things out I could see things and see how they worked and I could see what was going on and in the way that things were structured and the mechanics of things and, and I went well if I can apply this type of mechanical knowledge and understanding I know that I'm smart enough if I pay it if I just focus and pay attention enough I can just memorize all the different facial cues and memorize all this body language and learn this interpersonal communication thing that people are so so keen on and that I'm so terrible at you know at this point I was sitting in a tattoo shop making little to no money because I didn't know how to talk to people or so I told myself and 
there were people in the shop who were doing way more tattoos, making way more money, who didn't, they didn't tattoo nearly as well as I did. But I didn't, I wasn't communicating with people. So, and that was the driver, that was the, that was the motivation. I was sitting around going, what, what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. I can tattoo circles around these guys, but I can't book an appointment or do a tattoo on anyone. And then it's like, well, obviously, like watch the way that they interact with people. And then so I did. I sat around and I watched people talk to other people, which I'd always watched, but I was watching it with from a, with a different goal in mind, from a different perspective. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to understand how to do what they were doing. So I just watched and listened and paid attention and started doing it and stopped lying to myself about how I couldn't do it and stopped lying to myself about how I was bad at it and stopped lying to myself about how I didn't like talking to people. Yeah. It's a big thing. What do you like? What do you tell yourself? You're learning, you tell yourself you don't like people. Well, then expect to be not very good at people. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're one of those people who goes around talking about how much you hate people, well, then you can expect to not be very good at people. Yeah. Which well, is most of life. I've told myself a lie for years I, that I don't, I don't read well. And so what am I doing? I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm thinking, well, why am I lying read. to myself about that? All i got to do is pick up a book and read. Yep. You know? Well, I mean, well. I read... I remember after I got let go from DirecTV, I read all seven Harry Potter books in 30 days. There you go. In less than a month, I read them all. Yep. Of course, I, you know, I didn't really want to get out of bed at that point. I was a little depressed, but I mean... I really? still got it done. It was yeah. distracting, and it got my mind clear. Uh-huh. And yeah. So, yeah. Got to quit. You got to quit lying to yourself about little shit. You know, it's you know that's that you know that it talks the Bible of Christ talked about the mustard seed. Mm-hmm. You know, the mustard tree doesn't get very big, but when you look, mustard how big tree that, gets huge. Well, the yeah, and it's old. It gets grows to be super old. Oh too. yeah. So that, but this, this little teeny tiny Oops, sesame yeah. seed size seed yeah. grows at fucking great tree yeah. that lie can be just as big as that love that that seed's supposed to represent right. that's right well that bit of complacency can be as small yeah you know what i mean the lie could be as hidden and as small as that and it yeah. could cause this tree size problem for you and that's yeah. the thing too you go looking at this tree and you don't realize that the problem is just this little thing that you told yourself when you were three years old and you've believed it ever since yeah you know, and that's what it was. Yeah. And, you know, but like I slowly and methodically came through that process and now have a very different understanding on, on what it means to, uh, you know, what it means to be limited, I guess, or what it means to be, uh, what is, I don't even know that, I don't even know the, the proper term for it anymore. Okay socially or mentally handicapped or this that or the other whatever but um, well, what what is the word really handicapped i mean we, what handicaps do you give yourself i mean you don't have to be like it doesn't have to be so apparent you know it's not like it's not like having a limp or well, it doesn't have to be anything whatever you dedicate your time and energy to and and um and you really focus on yeah you'll get it you'll handle it if that's what you want. Yeah. If you don't want it, you won't do it. And if you don't do it, you don't want it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I, 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 I there's this, I don't want to say his name, but um, 
there's this vocal coach. He has a YouTube channel, and I get an email from him like once a day or twice, two or three times a week. And I was going through his email last night, and uh, he asked. He says, "He said this is a little selfish, but tell me your story." He says, "I might." I, he says, I'll re "I might not respond to you, but I'll try very hard to read your email." And I get a lot of emails. So I told him. I said, "Well, I used to sing." Uh, I caught the bug when I was 12. I always sang, but when I was 12, I realized I could do a good job, and I got a part in a play, and I was hooked. But I was coddled. Nobody really sat down, sat me down, and had that hard conversation. The hard conversation had to do with, Bob, you'll never make it in music. You need to do something else. You have a plan A, music could be your plan B. Instead of saying, hey, great, let's do music, plan, plan A is music, let's have a plan B to fall back on, like teaching or music theory or something to that nature. So you could have something to fall back on. Well, whatever, it's music. Like I'd be like, if you want, you want to do music, you want to sing, Bob. Yeah. All right. Well, well that's why my daughter is like, she's in for it because she hasn't really listened. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be yeah. a rock climber and a dancer and a and a singer and a, you know what I mean. She's she's a kid and she's excited Olivia and she loves everything too. and yeah. and uh, but I mean, when she goes, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, you better fucking do it. You know, not because I. I need that or want that, but because if you don't, you're gonna spend your whole life going, what, why, why, why did I not? Yeah. I loved it so much, why did I not? Yeah, well, I had this conversation with my stepmother. She says, well, Bobby, never finished your plan A. And I'm like, but plan A was to be a singer. Mm -hmm. But you convinced me that I needed plan A and plan B could be singing. So I didn't do plan A or plan B because I wasn't happy with plan A. You know, I was, we're in a McDonald's, and I'm yelling at her at this McDonald's <laughs> saying, why'd you interrupt my plan A? You know, what, what should have been my plan? And it, but it's not about blaming her. I mean, realistically, I have to take responsibility for myself. But I, I'm hoping that, you know, do I want to sing? Yeah. Do I still have a good voice? Well, you know. Can I sing metal? Do I love metal? Yeah, I love metal music. Can I sing metal music? No. Can I sing country twang? Probably. Could it be sing, sing good pop music? I hope so. But, I mean, we'll see what happens, you know. We still need to go karaoke some night. Oh, dude. But, um, and I need to, I, but I just need to start singing it right. Right now, what I do is I sing, and I hold Harper on my lap, on my belly, and she swings her head back and forth really hard. It's so cute. There you go. Yeah, and she beats her stomach with her arms. Because I always like, Sounds like know, what I do when I sing. Yeah, when I, uh, when I, if, I, if, I, if I'm sitting with her back to my face, and her, her, and there's music playing. I'll grab her arms, and I'll be like, and when there's a drum fill, I'll like, doo 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 doo. There, and I'm like, and I always yeah. whisper, "World's greatest drummer." <laughs> you know. So, um, and I've been disappointed. It's not anybody. It's funny. I, I joke with Autumn. I always joke with her about things, and she'll be like, "Well, you're, I'm disappointed." I'm like, "No, this is fun. I'm joking with you." There's a three hundred dollar ten piece. It said ten piece. Uh, a ten-piece drum set is actually not included cymbals. It's the tongue, it's the bass, it's the snare. That's the piece of the drum set. Then there's cymbals extra. It said ten-piece drum set, three hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. And I said, Autumn, I need this drum set. It's ten. It's ten pieces. She goes, Bob, it's just something that's in the garage. I want to get played. Okay, fine. You got me. I got three guitars. They never get played. Okay. Yeah, Bob, learn to play your guitars. I don't know how to play the drums though. I could play the drums. Uh, and so today I'm like, oh. I said, I'm so frustrated. Uh, Autumn goes, what's wrong? I said, there's a drum set, a six-piece drum set for 150 bucks. I need 150 bucks. She says, no, you can't. I'm like, this is more than I can bear. My world is ending. And I laughed. You know, I sent her a laugh. You know, this is all text. Yeah, okay. I laughed. And 
And she sent me a picture of Hillary, you know, in the Senate committee when she's like, when she said, what does it matter? You know, she's got her hand on her face, you know. And so I send her, the night, whenever she sends me something like that, I always send her a picture of Trump leaning into the mic going, wrong. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and then she sends me one of Obama saying, I don't really care what you did. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she always mean more. She always tops me in the meme wars. Oh, dear. So she's awesome at it. But, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't. But, I mean, it's like, yeah, you're right. you got to just freaking figure, root it out. Like we talked about last week, rooting out the problem. Find the lie. Replant the seed. Find the seed you want. Tear that tree down. Keep some of the roots because it made you who you are. You see what I'm saying? Have the stump to sit on, to rest on, to remind you what you missed. Grow. Tree. You're never going to, like... Do any, but you got to get down in there and find what happened down in there. Yeah. What happened to that thing? What is this one little baby thing that I just, you know, believed about myself since I, since I can remember? It's just a truth. Yeah. That would be a good exercise, I think, for anybody. Would be to take twenty minutes and sit down and think and just make a you know maybe make up a. a, a, a Make a pros and cons list for yourself. Yeah. The things that you think are true about yourself. Good stuff on one side and bad stuff on the other side. You know, and just list them. Be like, and be honest with yourself. Like, do I, am I a hard worker? Or do I value that about myself? Is that actually what I tell myself? You know, and if it's hard to get to the bottom of this stuff, just, uh, just this last week, think about just in the last seven days, what things have I said to myself about who I am? What kind of stuff do I say to myself on a daily basis so about who I am? Do I say like, oh, you know, like, oh, you're fucking so stupid, you forgot that thing, why are you, such, why are you so forgetful? Or you're like, oh man, you did great on this thing, what do you, and list all of it. So inventory your, inventory your opinion of yourself. No, I don't want, I don't want people thinking about what is my opinion of myself. I want them to go back to things that they have said out loud verbally about themselves when, or that they have said internally about themselves. I don't want them to make, don't make me a pros and cons list based on your opinion of yourself. Okay. Make a pros and cons list based on the things that you say verbally or mentally to yourself about yourself, your internal dialogue. Okay. And what has that consisted of in the last week? And then make that list and look at that stuff and, and um, try to pick out the oldest ones. Try to pick out the ones that go back as far as you can remember, especially you know, on the negative or the positive side. It's useful either way. The positive ones, it's great. You can go back and have a lot of good memories about why you know it to be true that you have a good singing voice or that you're attractive or that uh, you know that you're strong for your weight or that you're uh, you know that you're a good reader or that uh, you're um, really good uh, one-on-one interpersonal communication or whatever it is right right that's great it'll make you feel good it'll it'll bolster your confidence for this next part because you're gonna go over to the negative side or the side that says you know some of these things that some of these negative comments that you've made about yourself and then you're going to follow those back to their earliest point in time how many times have you told yourself that you're stupid this week 
right? Yeah. Now take that back. Go back with that feeling of, of stupid. You believe you're stupid and what it feels like and try to follow that all the way back to the earliest point that you can remember. And, and when you get there, you're going to find a, a child. <laughs> you're going to find that he's not stupid. He or she is not stupid or uh, she's not lazy probably hurt or scared or confused or uh, not validated you might find a lot of that but what you won't find is a stupid three-year-old or um, uh, you know a six-year-old who's an idiot or a six-year-old who can't do anything right these are the negative things that we tell ourselves in our mind when yeah. we mess something up that's true fuck is wrong with you you can't do anything right how many times have you heard that in your own head, right? And you got to tell you, so you're going to go back and you're going to find that kid and you're going to find some of the reasons why you first started forming these opinions about yourself. And you're going to find that none of them are true. You're not going to find a stupid moron of a child. You're going to find a child who was hurt or confused or lacked the kind of love and attention in this particular area that was needed for proper development. And when you go back there and you, you see that child just like you would now if there was a five-year-old child standing in front of you, you're not going to tell them how stupid they are. You're going to give them a hug. You're going to tell them that you love them. You're going to tell them that you're sorry that, that they're hurt. Yeah. And you're going to realize that that bullshit that you're still telling yourself was a lie that you've been carrying since you were a fucking kid or since your boyfriend was verbally abusive for three years at the end of high school or that your mom always told you that you were, oh, you're getting fat. Oh, you're getting fat. You better watch watch what you eat. Watch, you, you know, minute on the lips, forever on the thighs. Whatever, whatever the yeah. thing is, whatever the hurt is, whatever, whatever happened that caused you to believe this thing about yourself, you're going to find it. You're going to be like, wait a minute. It wasn't true then. It's not true now. It's not true now. It's only true. It's only true now because you believe it. Yeah. That's the thing. It is true now because you tell yourself that. Yeah. It's not really, but you, it no. is true because the truth. But I think yourself. sitting down and doing that is really useful. Yeah. You can find... All the, when you things. see it written out and you look at that and you go, do I actually believe that about myself? Right. And then it, if you go, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, I do. I'm a fucking lazy, no good, worthless piece of shit. Maybe that's actually how you feel. But there's still value in this, in this exercise because you're going to go back and f- find out where those lies came from and why you developed them. And that's extremely important if you're to ever realistically be able to tell yourself that's not true that was a lie yeah yeah but i mean that's a bit of an aside from you know what we're talking about with (laughs) this other stuff but um, well i mean realistically when you think about it i mean if you it it can tie in i mean realistically absolutely very much does racism could be just something you've told a lie to you've told yourself that you know I'll, i'll give you an example okay Growing up, not growing up around black people, mm-hmm. as a little boy in the 70s, 
you got two examples uh, in my perception now, being you know, forty years later or, or longer. Okay, you saw on TV black people stereotypically played thieves or musicians. But you know, and there's always or drug addicts or gangbangers. Drug addicts or, or gangbangers, right? Um, except for George Jefferson, yeah, and Sammy Davis Jr. They were always painted in a, in a better light in your mind because of, or the comedians or things mm -hmm. like that, right? I mean, watching Sanford and Son that was a fun show. Oh yeah. Um, watching Jeffersons, I loved watching Jeffersons when I was a kid. You know, so um, anyway, so but so but progressing on beyond that, that's. You know, we've been able to do that. We have better representation of things now, don't we? Uh, you don't know, maybe I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. But in the 70s, there was this mindset. You're saying that so, there's a more universally um, even representation of right. races in, like, mass media? Is right, that what you're getting at? Media, yeah, yeah. But, here's, but really, I guess really what it boils down to is I always say, when people talk about racism, I always say, I miss the music scene in the 70s because soul music, R&B, rock and roll was all the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Don Kirshner rock concert and you'd have, you know, um, Donna Summer come out and do a song or and then Casey and the Sunshine Band come out and do a song and then you'd have Ario Speedwagon come out and do a song and Heart mm -hmm. and Kiss would play and then... Uh, You'd have Gladys Knight come out in the pips, you know. There was just this cross-section of music, and everybody loved it. Everybody got up and danced. It didn't matter what you looked like in the crowd. You know, if you had a vest on and long hair and a beard and you were white and you were a hippie or if you were, uh, you know, black and you're into soul music and you danced and, you know, you know like you are on Soul Train or something like that, you know, it didn't matter. We mm -hmm. all, it, the music tied everything together. The music and, and the drugs. <laughs> Uh, I was I was you know under twelve so and I and I and I always ask. So my perception was that racism in that part didn't exist, because everybody loved the music, everybody got along, everybody loved each other, the music was great. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the line, we blurred the lines and then we separated. Well, I mean, if music, Maybe I'm wrong. music Maybe is one of those. Wrong. I think music is one of those <laughs> transcendent art forms, and I think that's yeah. why. You know, I think that's why an artist like Lil Wayne can say, like, I look out at my concerts and I see a sea of white faces. What racism are you talking about? It's because yeah. when you when you when you perform music or dance or um, you know theater or uh, you know you make visual art, you draw, you paint, um, you sing, you play the cello. These are they're transcendent. They are transcendent. Yeah. These are these are play. Yeah. This is art. This is not act. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's real it's life. It's not do. Right. It's real life. Because I can tell you exactly how to solve this quadratic equation, or tell you exactly how to, um, you know, build this particular chair. That's not to say that you can't raise the building of a chair to the level of art. But that is to say that when somebody is playing a song, it's not the same as writing a report. 
yeah. or replacing the starter in your car. Why are you replacing the starter in your car? So that the car will work. When are you gonna be, what is the goal of replacing the starter in your car? To get the old starter out, to put the new starter in and make it so the car is functional. Yeah. What's the goal of a song? The goal of a song is to tell a story or send a message or to bring people together. Maybe. Could be that. It could be just to express an emotion. Yeah. Maybe it's not a song you share with anybody. This is, my, this is what I'm talking about, about art about in general, is that art is different yeah. from, all, from these other activities. And that's why I think that it's you find it crossing so many boundaries and breaking down so many barriers. Art is a boundary-dissolving psychedelic drug. Art allows people to come together and to shed cultural norms in, at least in most instances, um, a kind of a unified experience, right? Where, which is very different than most of the other activities that people are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. You know, when we're going, you know, we're going to go play a song, what's the goal? To play a beautiful song. Yeah. But like, or to help people get their aggression. You know, when you're going to do your taxes, is it the goal to produce a beautiful tax return? <laughs> like, you know what I, like, they <laughs> The goal of art is to break down boundaries and, and, and make people feel. The goal of art is, is well, you could say, oh, art's supposed to make people think. No, no, no. Art is supposed to make people feel something. Right. Sure, so you can think about it. You it, can intellectualize it so if you want to. You can talk about, well, how many beats per minute? And what was the time signature in yeah. that song? And what was what the key was what key in. was it in? And what, what did he do right there in that bridge yeah. section? And you can intellectualize the song. You can. You can yeah. think about it. You, it. But the goal of the song was not well, to get somebody to intellectualize the song. Let's compartmentalize that for a second, okay? For the musician writing the song, that's what that is for who are really talented. Hey, I'm going to add the seventh to the major to give myself that sad feeling or that tragic feeling to this song so that the people who are listening to it who don't know the theory behind it can get the idea of what I'm saying here in this song. Bullshit. I love you, but I totally disagree. I, I, think, that, I think that if you were trying to write a song beyond the limits of your talent that that's what you would be thinking like i think that some like a consummate artist well yeah is like not Neil thinking that like way that, you yeah. know when Jimi hendrix is up there ripping or when you like uh you know a uh, honey boy or like one of my favorite blues artists or you know anybody any of these crazy talented breakthrough artists in their time they're not thinking in the terms that you describe right. they're literally expressing themselves 
well, in a different medium. Let's, let's look. So they're going. Anyway. I'm, I feel this way. This sounds good. This and they're putting something together that's totally unique. Yeah. And it makes you feel a certain way, and it makes everybody in the room feel a certain way, and they all feel it together. Right. Well, Eddie Van Halen tells a story. He used to tell a story. I don't know if he still does or not, but he used to tell a story about he and Alex, who were grew, grew up with music as a musicians. Their dad, their father was a jazz musician. He had played clarinet, uh -huh. but they learned classical piano and things like that. They had a conversation, an argument actually, about over a specific classical piece and what key it was in. And then Alex ran out and bought the sheet music and proved to Eddie that it was in the key he said it was in. Mm -hmm. So Eddie that night played that part, part of that song, in the key he said it in was in. In the key he said. <laughs> so yeah, and see. it's just yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just it, it is it is. There's a talent to that. But but my point for that is this. So I, I I watch this guy. His name's Rick Beato, and he makes these. What makes this song great? And what he does is he actually literally teaches you. Like he takes more than a feeling, okay? And he's play, play, he plays Brad Delp singing that song. And then he says, okay, so when he trails, so at the end of this part of the song, Brad actually continues to sing the high notes and the, where the guitar player picks up. Mm -hmm. He says, you don't pick that up unless you are a musician and you've got a good set of headphones in and then you realize, hey, Brad's still singing. That's that's that is a dynamic to that song mm -hmm. that gives that song depth and reaches your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Because there are people who can take that song and say, "This is a great song." I'm going to show you what really why it grabs you and shakes you like a baby. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's my like. Yeah. I don't know if I ever yeah, said yeah. that to you before, but <clears throat> I said that to a customer on the phone today. He wanted something, and I said, "Well, if I tell you what, this is for Ledette Levity. If you don't use this." thing that you're trying to get to take care of what you're trying to fix. I'm going to drive to South Carolina and I'm going to shake you like a baby. And Ooh. he, you know, I told him, this is a joke. This is a joke. I'm not really meaning this, but I, you know, I want to give some levity because it's a little tense. Yeah. And I told him that and he, he almost left. <laughs> he almost left. <laughs> so then I told him, I says, look, if I don't want to do my job, you need to come to Idaho and shake me like a baby. So... People hate that. People always like, shake a baby. Shaking a baby. Shake a baby. But yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> that's the point. That's, right. that's the idea. That's the idea. That's I'm telling what, you. That's I'm what treat made you the, poorly. That's what made the statement make sense. If it wasn't a bad idea, the statement wouldn't have made exactly. sense. Exactly. Exactly. So. But no, this, yeah, I, I think that that's why, but that thing, that, that overarching feeling that you're talking about, about music, in the 70s, in the early, late 60s, early 70s, yeah. rock and roll and jazz and, um, and soul uh, all coming together, um, you know, and, and even, you know, blues and the starts of metal. And, and this was a something where people could come together yeah. and have a group experience. And... Um, that's what the S Festival was for. Get out, get outside of of that little personal identity ego box. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's different. The goal of art is different, right? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the most important things about that, and why it's able to do what you're talking about, is because it's not a, it's not a you know, it's, yeah, it's not your average I'm, daily activity. It's not sweeping a floor. It's right. not, it's not, 
the goal isn't there's what's the end in sight it's very different yeah what is the goal to enjoy it yeah as much as possible right. well it's like as a metal head it's why we're doing it as a metal head and having an 11 year old stepdaughter who doesn't like metal she likes you know her poppy you know music today that she can TikTok to mm -hmm. and then my wife who is a big Bob Dylan fan and doesn't like music like I listen to but she listens to music that I can listen to um, I'm I'm actually now sitting down to watch that silly show The Masked Singer mm -hmm. and the singers will come on and sing something I'm like wow who sings that song and she'll say who sing and she's over there singing I'm like when do you learn when are you learning all this music because you know, and her mom's like, "Cause you learn on TikTok." I'm like, "In 20 seconds? What? No. You know, 20 second increments or what?" So anyway, um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm actually finding that yeah, I want to expand more into music again because it's like there's so much great music out there being written that I'm missing. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I don't listen to Dawes or I don't listen to Jason Isbell, or if I don't listen to some of the music that you play, oh, what's the guy's name? What uh, that that one guy who wrote Poncho. Oh, Black. Towns? Towns Van yeah, Sant? Yeah, I bought one of his records. Oh, yeah, you got to listen to Towns Van Sant, man. Vincent. He's not a great singer, but he writes great music. What's that silly quote from... Fuck, I can't remember that guy's name, but he said, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stand on Bob Dylan's coffee table and say that Towns Van Sant was the best uh, um, uh, folk singer yeah. of this century. Well, I've seen Dawes twice, and they are perfect. Mm -hmm. They're a great band. Well, I mean, this is I'm, I'm a guy who wanted to go see Van Halen. I mean, if Van Halen would have come to town, I would have gone with Dave to see Dave. But, mm -hmm. well, I didn't want to spend $2,500 to go see him. Yeah. yeah. So, but, I mean, we went and saw Black Label together, you know. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been to, I mean, haven't been to a concert for shit. I went and saw Tom Petty in, oh, in 14. Mm. That was the last concert I went to as Tom Petty was in 2014 before. Okay. No, no, I apologize. So that's wrong. I went and saw Dawes twice with my wife. And I went to Head and Heart with her. Okay. Uh, I don't like Head and Heart, but they, they were still really good life. Yeah. They were true to their music. It's really fun when you go and you're like, I don't even like their music, but like, God, they did really good. I didn't like you know what I mean? before I saw them outdoors live in uh, Mannheim, Germany, and I was like just blown the fuck away. This is, that's one of the things. Uh, I've always I've had that experiences with bands before, too, where I'm like, meh, I'll hear their albums, and I'll be like, eh, it's whatever. And then I'll see them like offhandedly like playing at a live show and like what the true fuck is this like no it'll be better like Atreyu is like that and like if you hate Atreyu great like I don't particularly I really like their studio team. albums I'm not a huge Atreyu fan but good goddamn, like I saw them playing like a side stage at Warp Tour in like 06 or 07 or a while ago, anyway. And um, I had heard their shit, but I was blown away. Like, the show that they put, I was like, good God, they sound really good live, way better than their studio stuff, which is, for a band, that's always impressive to me. Yeah. It's like your live performance stuff sounds as good or better than your God studio stuff. That way. Yeah. God smacks that way. Sully is not a great singer, but when he sings live, he sounds exactly like he does on the record. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's true to the music. Mm -hmm. And I still have yet to see Godsmack live. Dude, The Chariot, probably one of the, the Chariot, probably one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, if Metallica's you're, in, if you're into that real, if you're into that real heavy is, shit. Metallica's still one of the best shows I've, I've ever never seen. seen. I've never seen them live. They, they are, it's really what it is. is it's, it's a joy to watch them 
because they don't necessarily interact with each other on stage, mm -hmm. but there's little side glances between James and Kirk. Uh -huh. And I don't, I've never seen with Rob, but you know there's little side glances and they'll be like, and they're waiting for that look. And James will go like that to, to Kirk and then he'll just start pounding on his guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, he's waiting for that one sign for that yeah. one, two, three, four, one, nudge, two, yeah. bam, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. and that count off, and James is counting in his head and he looks yeah. at it. Because you don't realize how great, a, great James is a great guitar player. Uh -huh. You know, and people don't take that for granted, you know? So, um, anyway, sorry, that's my, my own bias anyway. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I grew up listening to Van Halen. I mean, I, I, the first time I heard Van Halen was Dance the Night Away. See, it was like, that was the greatest thing in the world to me. I heard, like, radio Van Halen and shit like that. Yeah. Like, so I heard it. Yeah, like, it's Bossa Nova, bro. But, like, I, my big things were, like, CCNR, Steve yeah. Miller Band. Yeah, I grew up listening to that. Um, Steve Miller, especially. And then a little bit, a little bit later, like, the stuff that, that, my parents told me not to listen to you know like you're like what is this fucking uh you know motley crew red hot chili peppers <laughs> fucking like all this other all this other stuff you know yeah. but i think um janice joplin yeah oh man my mom will be 80 next year and if i put ccr on the radio yeah she sings along with it because she it's the loves cause ccr it's the shit well she was in her 20s when that shit came out yeah so, i mean people are like well your mom's 80 she likes it. well how old is fucking you know yeah. the guys in that should be in ccr today yeah you know? um, they're old oh. yeah yeah and they make great music still mm -hmm. yeah oh man that all of that to say i think that that if we can societally concentrate more on where we agree, build out from there, who we agree on, right. who are we thinking the same on, where are we finding transcendence, areas like music, art, and literature, these are all important, right? Yeah. They have been important they will continue to be, I think, the most important areas for interjecting unity, levity, compassion, kindness, but also um, Tickling the necessary uncomfortable soft spots of of what is wrong in our culture or society. That's the job of art, really. Well, I kind of like it has many that. jobs. Like, but I think that that's if it has a purpose for the betterment of people. So let's. I want. I you started talking about how art shouldn't have a message. No, I wasn't saying that it shouldn't have a message. Okay. Well, see, because I, I I think of back. In the 80s, the mid-80s. Well, I don't remember the art artist's name, but he took a crucifix and he put it in a mason jar. And he filled it with and piss. And he filled it with piss. And yeah. they called it Piss Christ. Mm -hmm. And everybody got all pissed off, said it was blasphemous. I kind of wonder, in retrospect, I kind of think, I kept wondering, well, why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did well, he do you it? don't know. And nobody ever fucking said Nobody ever Here's talked what sat I, and got his artist statement. Right. right? Like, so, and I, I never heard the statement because everybody was so in the airport. I wonder if what he was saying is, 
what are you doing in your own beliefs? Are you are you pissing on your own beliefs? Maybe. Are you actually pissing on the very yeah. thing that you should believe in? Exactly. Maybe it doesn't have it. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with either. Maybe it's just a question. Are you pissing on your beliefs? Or maybe it's an overt statement. This is what I think of yeah. this. This like, is Christ. But like Christ either, is divine. Either You're pissing way, all over him. Like whatever statement that artist wanted to make, nobody remembers his name. And is I mean I shouldn't say nobody, but it's it's. He, nobody's going to remember him like Rembrandt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not... Well, it's infamous. It's yeah. not famous. It's yes. Infamous. And, um, but like, I'm thinking more when I'm talking now about art with like a, with a social and cultural purpose, I'm talking more about like the music, you know, like, like, um, I don't know, probably like the, you know, like maybe like Richard Pryor's comedy or George Carlin's comedy and, and social commentary because you can't even call what he does on stage purely comedy. He does do a fair amount of social commentary, yeah. you know. That shit, well, is, that shit is super, that shit is super necessary right. for, for pushing some of these issues right. in our culture. Things like, um, I think probably like the most the the most poignant and, and impersonally like impactful for me and still like I mean good god it's a hard hard song to listen to but it's the most one of the most beautiful songs ever was um uh, Billy Holiday's Strange Fruit you know and um you know all of her struggles and everything that she went through and then to to go around her whole career tormented um, you know by Anslinger and, and the rest of the federal government but still continuing to sing this song about her experience um, what was it called again strange fruit okay it's um, I don't want to get real into it it's real heavy um, if, if you're interested in really heavy, important cultural and historic music, go listen to Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit. Um, other than, I don't want to like get into a big discussion about it, if that's right. something I'm, that I'm not, we I'm, need I'm, to, I'm, but like, I'm, a, it's, I'm um, a little behind, I've never heard it, I can't it's, say it. Um, I don't know if I have, I can't say it. But, uh, that may be the most important purpose of music is to communicate difficult and painful truths to the society at large that people don't want to hear but that need to be heard. Yeah. I think that may be like one of the more important purposes of art. Okay. Um All in all, though, another very powerful tool for dealing with any of these issues that we're talking about, racism or bigotry or misogyny or whatever, even climate well, change. Well, I mean, I mean, it but, really um, goes back to some of this comes back for me in my mind is David Goggins, gentleman, who's written a book. And, um, and I literally don't 
I don't buy the process or thing of white privilege because I don't feel I'm more privileged than anybody else because I'm white. But at the same time, though, I realize there may be some of that. I don't want to dismiss it completely, but I don't want to be so. I, I don't want to be buried in the moat of it. You mm. want to be and mm-hmm. not be thrown a lifeline sure. for it because I'm white. But I mean, his story. Listening to just the first chapter of his book on the audio, which is much different from any other audio book I've listened mm-hmm. to, um, I felt more shame for feeling bad for myself about anything in my fucking life. Mm-hmm. Ever. I felt so bad for being angry or or sad because something didn't go my fucking way. <laughs> you know? Right. I, I, it's a good Somebody's reminder. always had it worse. Exactly. Somebody's good always had it worse right. than you. Yes. And that's, but that's a good reminder for everybody in the U.S. who thinks that they've had it bad. Listen, I don't give a shit if your family income is under $13,000 a year and you have lived your entire life in the projects with, you know, six kids in a one-bedroom apartment. You are in no way, shape, or form disadvantaged in comparison to everyone else that exists on this planet. You are disadvantaged compared to a lot of the majority of people who may live in this country. But as far as the people that exist, the human beings that exist on the surface of the globe, and those are the ones that I think we need to be worried about since I don't necessarily view somebody 12 miles away any different than I view somebody 1,200 miles away. They t- both, they're both people. They both have the same value in my mind. Yeah. They have fingerprints. They have a heartbeat. Yeah. They bleed red. But th- this is not to say that the wrong that's done in the U.S. is somehow not wrong because it's worse somewhere else. This is just to say that the wrong that is done in the U.S. is in large part, significantly large part, perpetrated by the government and social and cultural institutions. Most of the time, that is where systemic racism, sexism, climate deny all of these things come out of that very rarely do you have i would i would say very rarely people have individual one-on-one in-person encounters where somebody is rude to them or racist to them or distinctly misogynistic that's not to say that it doesn't happen but like your boss making a quasi-sexually inappropriate comment to you at the office and you feel denigrated because of that, one, get out right in front and say, it's not appropriate, you shouldn't have to deal with that. That doesn't hold a fucking candle to the women in the Middle East who are getting acid thrown on them, or the women, like can't women the world license. over who can't, can't drive, can't vote, can't own property, 
get their gen genitals mutilated consistently. Well, I mean, every boy, almost every young boy born in America gets their genitals mutilated too. But I don't. <laughs> th that's a different conversation for a different We've podcast. We've already had that conversation, but I don't know if we're recording it. No, yeah, well, <laughs> we need to have it again because I think it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. The point is, if we're going to be concerned about what is going on with people and how people are being treated, we need to get realistic about what's going on and how people are being treated. And the shit that goes on in the US goes on because it's perpetrated by the government and the police because it makes financial sense because they have to have a large group of citizens to take advantage of to generate income to keep the machine rolling yeah so if you happen to fall into that income category of dog shit low crappy poverty if you fall into that area doesn't they don't give a fuck what color your skin is well i mean there's but per capita there's more white people in prison than anybody else when it when you look at the numbers statistically well if, yeah well pff, yeah but if you look at the percentages they're there's they're significantly more black people incarcerated than there are white people but what's more important to look at than I think than that, because that statistics get thrown around a lot and That's true. you can view them either way. Yeah. There's lies, damn lies. It, you have to start, you have to exclude variables. If you really want an apples to apples comparison in incarceration statistics, you need to remove all of these different variables and you need to narrow it down to same crime for same crime with similar priors with, you know what I mean? Like you need to get all of the variables out of the way. Well, the, why, why are you comparing a first offense to a third offense? Yeah. Why are you comparing a juvenile offender to an adult offender? You can't be, none of those comparisons make sense. It has to be, well, we took offenders 25 to 30, male offenders 25 to 35 Caucasian with, uh, you know, a third strike offense and uh, third strike nonviolent drug offense this amount to this amount of this drug and we compared so essentially all of the statistics of the case are the same the only thing that changes is the race of the person yeah. and what you find is that black people are given significantly harsher sentences for the same crime with the same priors yeah. in the same areas of the country yeah there's a problem we do have issues in this country with racism they aren't nearly as pervasive as they were the problem is getting significantly better but that's not to say that there's not a problem okay i agree with that but i think that the rhetoric makes people feel like it's getting worse we need to be glad and rejoicing that it's getting significantly better right. year over year but we need to be vigilant in finding these areas where it's not like this bullshit with Kamala Harris in fucking California keeping all these people fucking locked up in prison who were nonviolent offenders or who got fucking yeah, who, using for free, for, labor. For free, free labor and all that 
my point is, if you really want to understand what's happening, what's happening is the people in charge, the people who like lots of money and power, are making sure that black people think white people hate them and everybody thinks everybody else hates this person and that person. Because as long as, as, long as the people are divided and fighting each other, they aren't unified in their demands for a consistent, responsible, benevolent government body. Right. That's it. That's what it boils so, down to. I, I, That's really what it boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, if we can get all these dumb fucks to fuck continue fighting amongst themselves, then we can keep running the game and fucking lining our pockets. And they're never, ever, ever gonna fucking be able to fucking get their shit together enough to go you know what fuck you guys get out we want a system that serves us yeah. not a system that takes advantage and this system takes advantage it takes advantage of black people white people asian people hispanic people and it takes advantage of anybody who happens to fall into it well yeah i've always said that if you're a juvenile if you're, a, if you're a teenager and you end up in the system, you, you, could, you could end up fucked. And you could end up in the system and stay in the system if, unless you have someone who's, unless you're uh, smart enough to, stay, to get out of it and stay out of it. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you perpetuate that for yourself, you know, it, the statistics, you're, you're kind of circling the drain if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. They put you into this place and if you buy into this idea, then you could, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I maybe I have the wrong. Yes, and that has everything to do with income generation and popular and, and and community control. So what you're saying reminds me of something. When I was in when I was in the army, I went through this PL a primary leadership development course called PLDC, and one of our instructors was uh, he was a staff sergeant, and he uh, he talked about he'd gone he came in at the end of Vietnam. So this is late '80s, early night early '90s. So he'd been in almost 20 years okay and uh, he said just before Reagan took office it was really the more the morale of the of the army was super bad of the military you just come out of Vietnam uh -huh. you know you got a, you got a lot you got you now your records blah 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 and one right you mm -hmm. know this number and one and um, we well, have one and one because Korea was a tie right so, <laughs> um, and he said that the race relations were at a tipping point so the battalion commander or the command commander he he got everybody into the movie theater and he made and they segregated themselves out in the group okay mm -hmm. in, into groups white people black people hispanic and said they spent hours in there just yelling at each other trying to say here's how i feel about this and this is what you're doing to minimize me white people black people hispanic people and then so he they said at some point they all kind of like it's this uneasy settlement they kind of had, okay? And then there was this one guy in the back sitting by himself, and he stands up. And he goes, hey, what about us? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm Native American, I'm Indian, what about us? And everybody was like, oh, fuck you, and walked out. Oh, jeez, right? <laughs> so, I, this, is the, this is the fucking thing that, like, everyone wants to, like, pretend like we didn't steal this country from a group of people that was already here that's not to say that like we're all we're all foreigners man 
Well, you know, at some point, at some point, you know, it, it comes, it brings up to this thing. I, I, I get up in the morning and I've got a nine-month-old little girl in this little rocking place sleeping. We're trying to sort out her sleep pattern at night. And we're not doing a very good job, unfortunately. I, to my, to my shame, I'm not helping enough. I can tell already. Um, but so when she wakes up, I turn the TV. She faces the TV, and I turn YouTube on. And there's this thing on the YouTube. It's not logged into anything. It's just mm. off. And there's it's this like their home screen or whatever. Yes, yeah, the home screen. Yeah. yeah. And I, for some reason, this Looney Tune things come on. So this DVD, Dave's DVD eight comes up. I don't know what it's called. But he plays these old cartoons from, huh? like, early, early cartoons, right? Yeah, like from the 30s and 40s. Right, and, and I'm yeah. watching this, and they're not edited, you know? Yeah, although that's back when Benny they had Boop all those kinds of... Yeah, yeah and there's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Non-PC cartoons. Right. That's what I grew up with. Yeah, exactly, I did too. I had old VHSs of cartoons that my dad pulled out of a burnt-out trailer because yeah. we used to go to the dump every Saturday. This is what I did as a child. Right. It was like we'd go every Saturday to the dump, and all day we would scrounge at the dump right and if we couldn't find anything good we would strip wire out of burnt out trailers <laughs> and in one of the burnt out trailers i found a couple vhs tapes of old looney tune cartoons right so but there was like um jungle princess or jungle queen or jungle princess yeah. or like and all these different like these and really they, like and they depict black people as like blackface Oh yeah, yeah. It's not. It's like mama. Well, it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon like blackface, fucking. You know what I mean? Like blackface. Lips up past the nose, type of a painted on blackface. It's ridiculous. And it's like, but I'm like, and I'm sitting there thinking, could kids, would would young people with their children watch this today? Because we're so sensitive, and we're not. And what we want is we want to judge everything by today's standards. So I always, I somebody said to me one time, I do not. I mean, my daughter's watched some of that just because she was curious and she likes cartoons. But, like, right. the other thing that's interesting to note is, like, there isn't the culture built up around that to support what's happening in the cartoon. So, like, right. my daughter can watch that and just go, well, that's weird. Like, just a goofy cartoon. She's not going to infer any kind of pick out what the any kind of crap about this that or the other until she maybe gets older and goes hey they're like making fun of this that's not racist but like (laughs) but by the same token let's be realistic here i've never seen a cartoon that wasn't making fun of something whether it was a cat or a dog or somebody getting blown up or somebody getting a piano dropped on them or somebody being too fat too thin this is the thing of cartoons is exaggeration so like if you're that's not to like excuse the belittlement of a race right. of people by a cartoon but but we can't ju- my point is this though jordan we can't hold the past to the standard that we have today well no because but the standard is consistently changing when you hold the past to the standard of today you are illogical exactly you make so, no but we, sense we need to we need to grab we need to not really necessarily embrace those things but accept that that's what that was and i'm when if i ever do the kill a mockingbird Mm-hmm. Which I need to just fucking do it. I'm 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 at the Mr. Bose part. I just finished Mr. Bose again. Uh-huh. Um, Mr. Bose was a hundred over a hundred years old. She was alive during the Civil War. Okay, mm-hmm. at this time in the 1930s during the Depression. Yeah, and she was mean. And I'll explain exactly what made her mean in the end. Well, because she was old and didn't like little kids anymore, and she said bad things about Atticus all the time. But at the in the long run, Atticus calls her a great lady, even though she really was racist and 
had a different point of view from her age and when she when she the time she grew up. Mm-hmm. He still called her great, and I'll explain better when I do finally do that. And that's going to be probably drawn out, but that's one of the things I realized when I looked at that graphic I looked today. It wasn't a meme; it was a posting mm-hmm. about you know it, you know agreeing to disagree. It doesn't count for this. Um, I realized that there are so many things out there that actually explain to you from the past that we should learn from that says it's okay to disagree. You know, mm-hmm. it's you, but you have to be reasonable in what you want to disagree about. If you're gonna if you're gonna force people into something that's not reasonable because you feel a certain way, well, then well, you're this a wanker. Is, this is this. I think just what opinion. you just said is very like very pertinent because you used the word force. And that's where I always go like, ah, ah, that's the problem. Yeah. I, you can think whatever you want, and I can disagree with what you think. And in contradiction to that silly fucking post, we can agree to disagree. Because in a polite society, if somebody disagrees with you, what else are you going to do? You're going to have a discussion, you're going to talk about it hopefully, and you can discuss it at length, maybe days on end. But if neither sways the other, one, maybe you aren't that, neither one of you are that good at, at, at uh, discussion or debate, or neither one of you are ready to have the conversation to begin with because right. you weren't open enough to be receiving of the other person's information. All sorts of things could be happening. But at the end of the day, if we can't find some common ground, if we can't, if you can't go, oh, okay, I see what you're saying here, and I go, okay, buddy, I, and I understand what you're getting at over here, Bob, and if we can't do that, what is left but to agree to disagree? Right. That is the only thing for polite people to do in, if we would like to have any sort of semblance of a functional society. Otherwise, what is it? Well, I suppose that I hold the moral high ground. I'm sure you do too, hence the nature of the disagreement. Right. But if I say we can't agree to disagree on these things, then what other option is there? Right. Are you saying that essentially you agree with me or we, result to fi- yeah. we resort to violence? What is that statement to say? That's why I dislike that in statement entirely because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't say anything and it's combative. Right. It doesn't actually communicate anything other than I am upset and combative. That's really what it says, and it doesn't have any other meaning other than that. I want to go a little bit further down there because it says science of climate change and anti-vaxxers, okay? I am watching my daughter go through vaccinations because why? Well, I don't want my daughter to get diseases that have been not necessarily eradicated because they're still available. Mm But I don't want to go through that mess. But I'm still really leery about, well, how many shots are you giving her? How much? Are, and there's like, well, there's 15 things in this shot. Blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So, but it is space. Because my worry was that she's going to go in at one point and they're going to like give her 17 shots at one time in one mm-hmm. leg, you know, with seven different syringes. Mm-hmm. And they're not. They're doing it every two months. And you watch her and you make sure she doesn't get sick or she doesn't have a bad reaction. What's her leg look like where they gave the shots and, and things well, like yeah, that. Yeah, but this isn't so, to say that like, but when people act like something like the science, quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes here, yes. the science of climate change or the science 
of immunization or vaccines. First of all, the science isn't settled. The climate is still changing. The climate will continue to change. Right. Humans have had some effect on it. Right. Now, are you going to overcorrect? Are you are you going to put a? And that's my question. You put a carbon collecting thing on the planet that pulls carbon out of the air. Are you going to overcorrect the carbon that should be in the air and fuck the earth up that way? I don't know. See, that's my concern. But that's the point. Is that like we don't? That's the big, big, big thing. Is that most of these complex systems, be they complex social systems or co- the the ecology, you know, the global ecology, um, you know, uh, systemic racism. These are all these huge, multifaceted issues. And any of these people out here purporting that, oh, this is. This is because of the racist patriarchy. That's why all of these problems. Or this is because of those stupid, liberal, tree-hugging Democrats. All these problems. Anyone who's making a statement like that, anyone who would try to tell you that, oh, these things that are wrong in your life, your life's been hard, let me show you the reason why that thing. They're a fucking liar. Well, it's fear. That's what it boils. That- we we got to quit fear mongering each other. That's really what we well, have to do. Whatever fear mongering, I get it. But what I'm talking about, and I, I believe these people actually are so narrow in their thinking that they believe this crap. And it is just that, because when you take something, let's say the um, the gender pay gap, because this is a very interesting one, and there's also <laughs> a significant amount of information on it. But when you take something as multifaceted and complex as the gender pay gap, and you boil it down to the patriarchy and that we just don't value women as much as we value men in the workplace, you're an asshole and you're a fucking moron. Because first of all, the statistical information does not agree with you. Well, wait a second. Secondly... First of all, it's illegal for you not to pay people equally for equal work. Yep. So, and I work at a call center and there's a lot of women who make a lot more fucking money than I do. Yes. I'm a white dude. My point <laughs> is, when you, when you simplify these conversations, whatever the conversation is, whether it's about the incarceration rate or the gender pay gap or, um, you know, systemic inner city racism among police force training, whatever the issue that you're talking about, if you try to boil it down find the bad guy and and go up oh, i found your culprit it's this if that's the statement that's being made that group that ideology um they're they're wrong they're deluded they're simpletons that's it okay. like it is not that simple it is not it's not that <laughs> it's not inherently that all cops are racist assholes and that's why you know you get so many more black people incarcerated than white people it's not that um, there's no that's what I'm getting at is there's no one answer there's going to be 
9,462 answers yeah. to the why. Now, I personally like to look at all of those factors, and I like to try to understand as many... But see, if I say that, and I say, okay, well, what are the reasons for the gender pay gap? Well, let's suppose there's 150 of them, 150 different reasons, ranging from the from um, misogyny in the workplace, which does occur, still occurs, you know, asses still get pinched, women still get passed over for promotions for some dude's buddy. I'm sure it happens. Well, it may, go, it may actually know. happen now more in reverse, too, yeah. but you never know. Yeah, I'm sure that happens as well. But, the, but I, we're just talking about this, right. okay? I'm sure it happens in both directions. We're just talking about this. The why of why it happens, you know, could be anything from the uh, genetic uh, predisposition of the median average of women uh, when it comes to, you know, um, socializing or, uh, you know, any of the number of different emotional or mental states. Men and women are different. We think and feel about things in a different way. And we enjoy, on average, not on an individual level, any of these statements I'm making are all on average, we enjoy different tasks in the workplace. We apply ourselves differently. We apply different amounts of um, inherent value to work life and home life. So there's all these different confounding factors, right? Let's say there's 150 of them. I want to try to understand at least the top 10 factors of why this. Because there's going to be a shitload of them. But some of them might only amount to a small, minute three thousandths of a percentage affected in one direction or the other, right? right. Um, and so, but I would like to try to understand the things that have the most influence and then in looking at those, try to gain, say, okay, let's just pick the top 10 factors of why this. And then go, okay, if I know that, if I really know through looking at the statistical data with a critical eye, not emotionally, know that these are the, the, uh, the factors affecting this particular issue, then you can actually start to develop a plan to, to, to remediate that problem. And that's really what we want. We want to solve these problems. We don't want to argue about them endlessly. But all that we do when we simplify the argument down to, oh, this guy, I found your culprit right here. It's this thing, it's this one thing. You rob your group's ability of a to have a solution. Because if you can't properly identify the problem, you'll never have a solution. That's true. I want, to, I want people to, to be looking at these things and trying to understand all of the many different facets of the why. And then go further and try to understand which of those facets have the most influence and then once you understand which facets of why have the most influence, 
then you can come up with a game plan for remediation. You can actually start to solve the problem. But on both sides of any argument, you, you see people going, this is the problem, this is the, it's this thing, it's that thing, it's this, it's that. But it's only ever just that. Very rarely do you hear somebody in one of these debates on, on uh, you know, CNN or fucking on, on some Facebook post, people don't go, well, really, it's a, it's a, you know, the factors causing these issues are complicated, but here's what I've found to be the most influential and important factors that are contributing to this particular social issue. And then they list them and they talk about them in their order of importance. I've never fucking seen that. Do you know why? I, I don't know exactly why, but I, I suspect that it's because the internet lends itself to short, aggressive, well, reactionary communication that's not well thought out. Well, it's Sensationalist. Like, it's like when you're perusing the list of YouTube videos and it mm -hmm. says, so I'll, I'll use an example. Uh, President, so I'll, I'll pick on President Obama. President Obama says he wants to do this. And it's something that's unconstitutional. And then when you sit down and listen to the video, oh, that's I've been I've been I've been beguiled into clickbait. Mm -hmm. you, know? you go, he doesn't even you go he and never you read. Fucking said anything about it. Is the, it's just like that bill that we were talking about. You go, oh, they want to do this, and then you go and you read the bill, and you're like, it doesn't it say that at all. It doesn't say it at all. Like, why are you trying to stir the pot? Like, that's not even what this piece of legislation says. Like, yeah, that all the time, all the time. Yeah, but like. I really, I really think that that, because, but what I'm saying about this, it's very, very, like, bipartisan, useful for everybody across the board. Whatever your cause is, whatever the thing that bothers you, whatever, whatever you're crusading, please, please, please try to understand all of the complexities and eccentricities and all of the confounding factors as to why well, this well, problem. Because <laughs> if not, you're never going to solve the problem that you so desperately want to solve. My, my good friend who complains about, he used to complain about social justice warriors. And he'd say, look, be a social justice warrior. Be the best social justice warrior you can be. But please, pick one thing to, just, to look for justice for. Don't put your, don't put, dip your pin in more than one thing because guess what? You can't be an expert in everything. And you're going to get fucked up. You're going to get fucked up. Or you're going to fuck something up. You can't pick be an one expert item in and fucking stand for no. it. I would say pick one thing and learn it. And really learn all of right. the different factors but affecting make sure that issue. You're diverse enough yeah. in your conversation. So when somebody comes at you that you don't agree with that, you can either say, oh, no, I agree with that. Or, or you can say, well, you, yeah, that's I've read that and I understand that, but here's really the counterpoint to that because I understand it this way, mm -hmm. and that's where mm -hmm. the agreeing to disagreeing comes into fact. Yeah. Is that you can't just come at it, you know? This is this yeah, is a one-way road. You can always say, "I see your point, and I understand why you think that based on your value system. I happen to value these things more." Yeah. I happen to think that this is more important or that this aspect is actually more influential than you think that it right. is. And so we may disagree on what the solution can be, but we see, oh, we agree here, here, and here, and here. How could we possibly f implement a solution based on these points of agreement? Right? right? right. This is the goal. Yeah, if we'd exactly. actually like to fix anything or change anything or make anything better, you have to realize that... Um, 
if you're an angry Nazi, like the black dude who fucks your sister, he's not your enemy. You know, um, if you're an angry black guy, like the, the white dude who's, you know, dating your sister is not your enemy. Like this is a, this is a fucking ploy. This is a social ploy designed to keep citizenry separate and was, at odds. What was Charlie Manson's ultimate goal? Fuck, I don't know. Charlie Manson's ultimate goal was to start a race war. Really? Yes. I didn't he know thought that. if he started a race war, because he was a he was a Nazi, he didn't he was anti-Semitic, he was racist. He wanted to start a race war so he could divide the people. And then he could he his mm-hmm. his idea was that he'd sit out on top, that he'd everybody kill each other and he'd come out kingpin of everything. Well, that just shows you how fucking crazy he was. Yeah, exactly. You aren't coming out on top of that, bud. Mm-hmm. Um, but his idea was that if he went in and slaughtered a bunch of people, including Sharon Tate, that they'd blame black people automatically. <laughs> uh, sometimes they do, but not well, when you're that overt about it. Yeah. <laughs> not when you, you know... Cut babies out of pregnant people and yeah, Jesus. The um, kill little old ladies and squirrel helter skelter on the refrigerator. Yeah, <laughs> in, their, in her blood. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I mean, but fuck it. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you do it with style, I guess. Yeah. There you go. Uh, my best friend uh, in grade school, he said, the helter skelter movie came out in the seventies, and they showed the they showed the the murder scenes and people thrown up and. And the trial and, and how it worked. And at the end, the, the guy that played Manson was like all bug-eyed and looking big with a big swastika, you know, yeah, branded his, his forehead, yeah. you know, carved in. And, and it froze his face. And he says, my uncle says when he watched that movie, when he did that, his watch stopped. Quit working. <laughs> okay. That's what he said. I, I don't think Don listens to this, but he's uh, he's a good friend from back in grade school. So. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's funny things we remember as kids. None of us are none of us are getting out of this one alive, Bob. Yep, I you know, my mom always talks about my health. We used to talk about my health, and say, and she'd say, Bob, you need to do this, you do that, and make mom she says you're going to die, I'm going to die. When none of us gets out of it, this is life. The life, you know. The, end, the conclusion is death. We all come into this life to be, to die, and because I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about my health with my oh, mom because okay. yeah. I didn't want my mom to be worried about me dying mm-hmm. because she'd already married, she'd already buried one son, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that was pretty selfish of me. I hope that my mom will forgive me if she's well. She won't listen to this. <laughs> no, she probably won't. She won't listen to this, but she's a great lady. Um, gosh, I thought of something. Oh, I remember the first overt racist thing I ever experienced in the army and and I'm not I, it's it was shocked I was shocked when I heard it so I'll say this first when I was we were leaving basic we graduated for basic training and we were on a cattle car and uh, we had this huge drill sergeant this guy was like six four and it up to that point in my life he was probably the darkest man I'd ever seen in my life and but he was really a cool guy and you know he was a drill sergeant so he was mean you know but when he really started talking to you and letting you know what it's like what the army was really going to be like you're like oh okay and he says i promise you you'll be treated fairly and equally in the military 
That's exactly what he told me. I'm standing as close to him as I'm sitting to you mm-hmm. in this cart. And I'm looking up at this guy. I'm 20 years old, and I'm thinking, wow. And I believe that. I really believe that. So a week later, I'm at Advanced Individual Training in Virginia, and there was this drill sergeant, and they had drill sergeants for each platoon. And mm-hmm. I was put into a, the a, a temporarily put into this one platoon because they were in transitioning drill sergeants. Okay, mm-hmm. and this drill sergeant was yelling because he got passed over for E seven for sergeant first class yeah. from staff sergeant because of um, what was it? What's it called when they promote people because of quotas? Oh, you're talking about affirmative action. Affirmative action, yeah. He said he got passed over for affirmative action. How does and he, know? he dropped the word. I'm going to put up my fingers here. Spick. He said he got he, that that word. I'm not going to say it again. Was promoted over him. Uh-huh. Okay. And what what to me made that racist for him to say that, even though it might have been true, was he was African American. He was black. And I was completely shocked to see somebody of color. And uh-huh. my at twenty, and again, I've not had much experience with. I've had a lot of experience with Hispanic people, sure, mm-hmm. you know, but not with black people. And I, I was completely floored after going from one, you know, one guy who says you'll be treated fairly and equal in the military, to one hear him say that he felt like he got passed over because he wasn't maybe part he, of the quota. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Exactly. Who knows what, what is real? You know what I mean? Like. He doesn't really know. What, yeah. What, you don't what, know what exactly. do your reviews look like exactly. compared to You don't know. Right. Exactly. But so, like, like I knew a guy Affirmative who, action's dog shit. I'll just come, I'll get out in front of that and say that right. too. Like, it should be purely about your performance. Exactly. That's it. Well, That's I knew, so, it. to make That's seven, it. seven is a, pro, no, it was I mean, a review board. You have to, full, like half Asian. But. To make E7 in your, in your MOS, in your, your job title, you have to go through a review board at the Pentagon. Okay, I knew a guy who couldn't make E8. He'd been in for 25 years, couldn't make E8. So he finally went on his way to our this new duty station where we were at. He stopped at the Pentagon mm-hmm. and went through his personal file at the Pentagon because you have access to that. Yeah. They can't deny that to you. No. He opens it up, and the first thing he finds on it is the top of the net. It's a list that says, this guy's an asshole. Don't promote him. He took it out. Next round, they, he made E8. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. his reviews were perfect. Yeah. He was a great NCO. He was a great mm-hmm. man. Once that note was removed, he got promoted. So, I mean, those are those are the kind of stories I remember from the military that say we're all human, we all make mistakes, and we all believe too much bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we all there's all there's bullshit we all believe. Or whatever story you want to tell yourself, you know, yeah. like probably just easier to go like oh some affirmative action bullshit for this fucking asshole than to be like hmm maybe not, he just I'm did not maybe he just did better than me maybe i maybe i'm not as good as nco as i think i am yeah or maybe i'm good but he was just better maybe he was better yeah yeah and that you know um but i mean i i well, yeah i'll say it again i think affirmative action's fucking crap i think that if the it's every you know this is this is a performance based thing period so should getting into college so should any of these other things like any you know 
firefighters or policemen or fucking military or any of these jobs, anything. You know, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I do not like the idea that we're trying to even the odds, so to speak, because you see the results of that, the negative results of that are perfectly evident in the story you just told. Because as soon as people know that affirmative action takes place, they know that it's not an even or fair playing field. And so consequently, there's significantly more animosity than is even due or realistic. Or your work percentage slips, your work value slips. Both, both probably. What you're gonna experience is frustration, animosity, and resentment disproportionate to the change that occurred. You probably get significantly more animosity and resentment than you actually got any affirmative action. You probably got a little bit of affirmative action and a lot of animosity and resentment out of it. Fuck is, what, what the fuck are you doing? You're first of all saying that like placement is not in, entirely performance-based, and that's not good. That's going to make anybody frustrated. And on top of that, you're saying that it is racially based. So once again, like I said before, this is a specifically designed system to keep races at odds. Affirmative action is something that does that. Affirmative action doesn't help minorities. Affirmative action furthers resentments. That separates. And it's very separatist. Divide and conquer. Yes. And it keeps us separate. All of these many things that we're talking about, that they would hide under the mask or guise of helpful or righting the wrongs or um, making things unequal so that we can make them equal, this is bullshit. Right. This is bullshit that is hidden behind the mask and delivered in the pretty package and wrapping of we're going to right the wrongs. But what's underneath that is a specifically designed system to keep our country racially and economically segregated. And it does it well. It does Among, it. There are many, many, many different tools in that toolbox, but affirmative action is one of them. That's a, that's a hard truth. It's yep. a hard it's not, truth. Yeah. So probably need to wrap up. I want to wrap up on one thing. Um, found out this week that um, at my job, um, I'm going to change roles in my job, whereas I was sales before, now we're going to become regular customer service agents. <laughs> not going to lose any pay, and I'm going to lose my shift yet, um, but it is going to be a change, it's a business change. So any business owners out there who are corporate minded or have corporations, if, I mean, what are the odds, right? I have one. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> At the level of what the company I work for, which I don't want to no. disrespect you. No, not at all. You have a great not company. even remotely. You have a great company. 
When I started working for DirecTV, when I started working in that building out there, it was TCI Cable. Uh-huh. And we did PrimeStar calls. And when DirecTV bought PrimeStar, TCI sold them our call center because they wanted the call center for the extra support. Okay. Okay. The guy's name was Eddie Hardenstein. I don't know if he's still alive. He, he was Hughes Electronics. Okay. He was the CEO and chief operating officer. He was, I don't know what's chief, he was the big guy at Hughes Electronics, which ran DirecTV, which owned DirecTV. Mm-hmm. DirecTV literally was his brainchild. Okay. Okay. High power satellite services broadcast to America with a $30 kit. Okay. Satellite geosynchronous orbit. Okay. He said, more or less, I'm not going to direct quote, but he said, we want to be the company that everybody has to play catch up to. So if a country, if one company is doing this, we're going to take a look at that, and if we can do it better, we're going to do it better. Or if we can go into better in a different direction and do it better and make them follow us, that's the goal. Yeah. Every company in America today needs to have that goal to say, whether you're a computer company or you're in finance or you're in lumber, if you are not making sure you lead from the front and making sure everybody catches up to your your um, uh, corporate goals, then you're a stooge. If you're not allowing innovation to come from the bottom up, you're a stooge, and your company's going to fail. Nobody's going to want your widgets. <laughs> I, I I'm not an MBA. I don't have a college education, but what I have is enough experience in watching. Because I mean, realistically, the world evolved. The world doesn't. I don't. I know you may disagree with me that, with me on this, Jordan. I don't, I, don't. I don't believe the world is changing. I believe people are changing because the world. You don't have a world without people. Okay? What do you mean by that? What I mean is that it is people. I mean, it's a whole lot of statement. We've talked about that. how the separation of people by other people mm-hmm. who have ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. That are based out of the government, which the government isn't. The government's the people. Unfortunately, the government's come to people. Fortunately, the government is not. Well, it's become the, the government has become the people that the run the government, not the, the government. The illusion is, that we put them there. The government has become the people that run the corporations. Right. So it's fascism. But anyway. Yes. Um, but my point is this: is that yeah. if you aren't ready to lead, then get out. If you're not willing to take risks. If we're going to face a recession, instead of laying motherfuckers off, hire motherfuckers. Give them a good wage. Guess what, company, guess what people in America are going to do for you if you run a business, whether you're in financials or you're in lumber or you're in computers or some other bullshit or running, running food. You're a conglomerate that makes food, makes flips cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. People are going to notice that you're hiring and they're going to love you and they're going to use your business. And guess what? Who's gonna guess who's gonna follow? Every other company's gonna follow because they need they don't lose the people that they have that they don't lay off. You well, see what I'm saying? This this is this is a talk for another podcast. I know. I understand. I just, just want to bring out because I'm I'm a little I, I when I talk about this, it's like the silly movie Secret of My Success. 
he took a company that was failing and they're ready to sell off and blah 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 and it's like no let's build fuck it let's fucking build yeah. you want let's let's expand do, let's make the it stock right. worth its yeah. price yeah exactly you know yeah. and so and I know that I'm sorry this is another tangent but I'm just frustrated by the fact that uh, there's too much downsizing based on somebody's optim un unoptimistic view of what's actually happened and what could happen uh -huh. so yeah, I'd agree with that. That's all I'm going to. I'll tell. Say on that. And we'll, we'll talk about. We'll talk about more. Yeah. If we want to have a. If we want, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't mind having a, a. You know, a talk or at least or even a few talks about um, uh, domestic monetary policy, um, global economics, well, that type of stuff. How about personal monetary things? And well, we, we can have a talk about like we can have a talk about like basic personal finance too. I don't. I, yeah. I love this. This is one of the areas that I really well, like. Well, that's one of the things we talked about. We talked time. about a lot, and I, you know, I've, I know quite a bit about. So, like, let's, yeah, uh, yeah let's. Well, I can share some stories about people I've talked to on the phone about finances, yeah, yeah. and let's I, get I, uh, saying who I work for. Let's get with that. Let's get with that next week. We'll do we'll do yeah, cool. uh, personal finance. Cool. Cool. I dig it. I'll even give up some. I'll write some stuff down and come up with some ideas. Cool. And some examples of where you can go. Maybe some websites or things like that. Well, all right, Bob. Yes, Jordan. This has been Shop Talks. At Boise Tattoo Company in Boise, Idaho. And we're just hanging out, shooting the shit. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.